Welcome back, everybody. My guest, Richard Consum, a uh, fantastic KU alum who was um, athletic director of Benedictine College. That's where I got to know him the most. I knew him before that because he married this wonderful gal who worked for Southwestern <laughs> Bell and at the time that I worked for Southwestern Bell. And I, I don't know how he ever got her to marry him, but no. <laughs> anyway, he got a good one. Uh, Richard, before we took the break, I asked you about, you know, maybe some of your favorite coaches at, at KU and maybe some that weren't your, your favorites and, you know, why. Uh, sure. I'd be interesting to share some of that, if you would. I sure will. Well, obviously, and I've mentioned him already, it was Coach Timmons. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was just such a, uh, a great mentor and, and our athletes loved him and he, he cared so, I mean, I think the biggest deal was he cared so much about everybody and he wanted you to do better mm-hmm. and, and you to excel. And, uh, and, and he wasn't a guy that yelled at you or anything like that. I mean, it was a, a positive approach. It was an analytical approach. You know, here's what you did in the race. Here's what was good. Here's what was, wasn't good. Here's what you can improve on, but it was never, you know, getting mad at you. So, he he was the guy, and he was my mentor. So yeah, he would be a favorite. Um, one that you might not know about is Ross Randall. Ross Randall was our men's golf coach, and Ross and I played golf um, every weekend together for thirty years. And Ross, as a as an athlete, uh, finished second in the NCAA's to Hale Irwin. He was the first recipient of the Ken Venturi Golf Scholarship at San Jose State. He was on the All American team with Johnny Miller. And he played on the tour for nine years. So Ross had wonderful stories. And Ross was the guy who taught me golf and was a mentor. Now, he'd always take my money. And then at the end of the round, then he'd give you the little tip, you know. And, and I'd hit it out of the bunker so bad one day. Finally, at the end of the round, he pulled me into his office. And he opened his closet where he had all these clubs. He said, here, you need a better sandwich. And to this, that was almost 40 years ago. To this day, that's the sandwich I use. It's a ping beryllium copper sandwich and I think of Ross all the time so but he was a guy that um put together a team we won the big 12 championship at Kansas in 1999 in golf now that's beating Oklahoma State Oklahoma Texas Baylor all that I mean so and he did it with Kansas kids and and a kid from Omaha I mean you know it, it was it was so rewarding and I was the sports supervisor for golf. And, and one thing I always felt, and this goes a little bit later into, you know, when we talk about transitioning from AD to being a coach, you know, the difference. Well, I traveled with the team, for all of my teams I supervised for the conference championships. And then if we went on to the NCAAs, went with them. So I was with our golf team a lot and got to see how he handled it. Um, and, and I guess a lesson he had a relationship with the kids. He wasn't their best friend, but he could relate to them. And I don't want to say it was an arm's length relationship, but it was one where they knew he was the coach, but they also knew he was very, very supportive and all that. And it's walking that line of you can't be their buddy. Right. But you also have to relate to them really well and they have to know you care about them. Right. And so it's just, and and it's one that I've tried to work and, and master, particularly now in my role as the golf coach at Rockhurst, where I, I'm not their best friend, okay? But I want them to know I care about them an awfully lot, you know, and, and we can have a relationship and we can joke around and some of that. 
so so Ross was one. Um, you know, let's talk about basketball. I guess Ted Owens, classy guy. Um, Ted was probably an example of a coach who stayed at one school too long. Mm-hmm. If Ted would have left, um, and I don't know if he had the chance. I think he did. He was rumored with getting the Oklahoma job, which is where he'd played. He'd have been well off to have taken that because I do think you can overstay your welcome. There's not very many coaches that can last past that eight to 10 year range. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're very, very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I really liked Ted and, and admired him and, and, uh, He's been very, very active with KU to this day. Uh, and then we had Larry Brown, and there's there's a character. I mean, there's someone I've never experienced anybody like that, and I see he's back coaching again <laughs> uh, now. He's going to be an assistant coach uh, at Memphis. And um, Coach Brown on the floor and in practice in those settings was the master. He knew what all 10 guys did every play all the time, and he was just brilliant. And off the floor was one of the more insecure people I've ever been around. And, you know, uh, kind of needed some somebody to almost tell him where to go and, and lead him around. It was really a, a different, I mean, it's just the same person and just two different entities, you know, depending on whether it was in basketball or outside of it. Um, and then very fortunate to, to have been around Coach Williams all those years and, and um the, the funny story, he picked him up at the Kansas City Airport with the torn out page of the North Carolina Media Guide with his picture on it because nobody, we didn't know who he was. And Bob Frederick sent Doug Mance and I, our sports information director, to pick him up because the media was watching Bob's house and we were doing the search. And so Bob, you know, the diversion was we went and got him. And, you know, think about that. We, he flew in commercially. I mean, and, you know, today it's all private jets and yeah. All you know, under this you know cover of darkness and hidden and all this, and this guy just flew in on a commercial airline. We're standing at the baggage claim, you know, with our media guy picture. Oh yeah, that looks like him. <laughs> and, um, and then, unfortunately, 15 years later, um, I was on the KU jet coming back from the Wooden Awards when, when his last day as our basketball coach at KU, and and we landed at Lawrence and I looked across and he looked at me and he dropped his head and I thought, oh my God, he's going to Carolina. And of course he did the next morning. But for those 15 years, I got to be around him and uh, became the guy that, that did all the scheduling for our games and all of his travel. So that was a very, uh, I learned an un- unbelievable amount from him because uh, uh, everything with him was unbelievably precise. If you'd ask Coach, he, he jogged. If you ask him how far he ran today, he'd say 38 minutes and 45 seconds. I mean, that's. I mean, it wasn't about 30 minutes. It wasn't about three miles. It was boom. That was it. And uh, you know, if the team was leaving at 10 a.m. Um, and the last player got on the bus at five till 10, the bus pulled away, whether the others were there or not. If the last player got on, that's when you left. So. Those of us who were the administrators, Bob and Max, the radio guys, the SID, we called ourselves AYOs, all you others. We knew we better be on the bus about 20 minutes before it left because when that last player got on, even if we were ahead of time, we were left. And Coach Williams, on the Big 12 Select Tour in Australia, his second year, 
he left Bob Frederick, his boss, the athletic director, at the hotel in Australia because <laughs> the last player got on the bus and it was time to go and Bob wasn't on the bus and they pulled away. Now, that takes some courage to leave your boss at the hotel in Australia <laughs> after your first year. <laughs> but that's coach, you know. And so, um, so you know, just great friendship with him and, and uh, the intensity and, and how he went about it. Um, had a role in getting Bill Self here to our coaches. We were in an interim AD situation at the time, and Bill had been a GA. And, you know, uh, Bill had come to our hotel in, in 03 in New Orleans, and and we talked on the sidewalk for about 45 minutes. And and I left the conversation and told Deb, my wife, that, you know, if, if Coach leaves, Bill Self wants this job. And he was letting me know that and all that. And, and, and the thing, I and I didn't work with him very long because then Lou Perkins came in and, I wasn't there anymore. So, but I, the thing about Coach Self is I've never been around anybody who's more comfortable in his own skin. Mm. And he's extreme and he, he's very, very nice to people. He goes out of his way. And, you know, if somebody criticizes him, it just bounces. It doesn't matter. It, you know, he's comfortable with who he is. You know, if, if Coach Williams got 100 letters and 99 of them were great, he'd concentrate on the one that was negative. You know, and with Coach Sell, I, he that wouldn't phase him in the in the least. You know, and they're two completely different personalities, and they both win at a high rate and a high level. So that was really good. Um, I don't know if I have enough time to talk about all the football coaches we had at KU during my tenure. Um, and there is a lesson there. Um, we we were never patient enough. And, and our, our long-tenured coaches were much more successful and they were in basketball. But we had patience with them and, and a different deal. And we needed to have done that more. I always look back at the history of KU football and I think if we'd have not fired Don Fambro the first time, because Fam was our coach for four years, has a bowl game third year, doesn't have a great fourth year, they fire him. So then they bring in Bud Moore and he's there for four years. And he first year takes Coach Fambro's players and takes a guy that was a free safety and moves him to quarterback uh, in the wishbone named Nolan Cromwell, and they go to the Sun Bowl. Yeah. And but then by the end of his tenure, he's he's one and ten. And then they bring Coach Fambro back. Well, Fam was such a great recruiter and and knew Kansas and all that that if we'd have only stuck with him and had him eight years in a row rather than having to build it up twice. And then we lose patience again, goes to the Hall of Fame his third year, fourth year, doesn't have a very good year, and gets fired. And so then we just – we get into that cycle. And, um, uh, you know, we brought – we had Mike Godfrey come in, and, and Mike wanted to do it and by the junior college route. And that's a very, very short-term solution and short-term fix, and and that's what we got. And so then we turned to his assistant, uh, one of the best men I know, Bob Alicenti, and Val had been our assistant coach, and he'd been a longtime NFL assistant and uh, ended up after KU going to the Green Bay Packers. And uh, uh, I went to see Val and, and got to go to a Packer game in Lambeau Field and, 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 a, and, a, and a wonderful man, and he's Catholic, and he uh, really cared about his players. And, but he was going to try to do it with the high school route, and we, were, we had been decimated with no players, and we didn't give him the time, you know. So then we bring in Glenn Mason and, and uh, 
And, and Mace was great. He kind of built it back up. We got to a couple of bowl games. Mace was in that gruff Woody Hayes, Earl Bruce, Big Ten, Ohio. I mean, it was, you know, uh, that mentality. And Mace was not one to toss out. I mean, he, he threw out, you know, accolades like manhole covers, you know. I mean, it was, you know, it was, and especially for those of us who worked for him, but I will tell you that the uh, I did his travel also, and as demanding as Coach Williams, and um, but it's much more difficult with a football team because that's a massive troop movement. It's it's not Larry Wilcox and two hundred twenty five guys like you know Benedict had, yeah. but it was still one hundred and five. You know, and it's it's just a a lot of action, a lot of things to coordinate. Well. Mace, after he left KU and went to Minnesota, his first trip was to Hawaii. They just played a first start of the year, uh, first game of the year in Hawaii. And I had heard that things didn't go very well. And um, I'm at my desk at KU and the phone rang and it was probably Tuesday morning after those first games. And on the other end, I hear, Condom, this is Mason. <laughs> Hi, coach. How you doing? My travel guy's going to call you. You tell him how to do travel, okay? Okay, coach. And he hung up. <laughs> and it was the nicest, best compliment I've ever gotten from any coach ever. You know, because in his way, he yeah. said you did a good job. Yeah. You know, because he had that. And, and yet the word good job was never spoken, you know, <laughs> thanks. Or, and it was, but, but, and as an athlete, and in our, you have to learn that sometimes that is the compliment, you know, that you, you're my, you know, coaches and, and, you know, I told you I grew up on the farm and, and my grandfather was a stoic old German Catholic. You know, it was a John Wayne figure, you know, you spoke when you were spoken to. And there wasn't much praise ever coming back. But an incident like that or, or a statement like that, you knew they loved you and they knew you did a good and you knew they did a good job. Now you had to understand that. And some people don't ever figure that out. Yeah. You know, but I, because of my background with the farm and, and a grandfather like that, I understood coach Mason and I understood how that worked. And, and that was, that was satisfaction enough for me, you know, that that was okay because he's never really, you know, he, he never verbalized it. But that phone call told me, yeah, you were good. Yeah, um, I love Terry Allen. Uh, he came in next, and he was, uh, uh, you know, that that was a, a, a tough call because we kind of went from the somewhat gruff exterior um, coach in, in Mace, and, and this is something I'll talk about in, in, in job hirings. I call them pendulum hirings because. If, if you've got somebody at one end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. the next time you hire somebody, you often go to the other end of the spectrum, and we very rarely get to the middle mm -hmm. because we're, we're hiring to offset the previous person's, I don't know, deficiencies or what the whatever they weren't. I mean, that's what we kind of tend to do in hirings, and we, and we kind of swing the pendulum from one end to the other. And Coach Allen came in, affable guy. Uh, he'd won eight games a year or more every year at Northern Iowa, was going to be much more of an open, offensive kind of a guy and all that. 
um, but maybe lacked a little bit of the discipline. And, and I think, and, and I've talked to him about this and said that his staff wasn't a, a big eight caliber, big 12 caliber, you know, when he first got here. And by the end, I think it was, but it was too late then by the end. And, and that was part of it. There was a, there's a loyalty factor in all this coaching. And sometimes the, the loyalty, you're too loyal to some people and, and you know, they would have been better off staying at the level they were because it's hard to jump up and advance. I mean, you, it's like when you're recruiting athletes, you know, they always think they're going to be at the next level and some of them can do it. But a lot of the times, no, it, it's about fit and go be where you can be successful. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that was it with Terry. Um, I got sent to fire Terry. I wasn't the AD, but Al Bull, the AD, sent me to fire him. And uh, so I called him up, and I, you know, I knew the options and what they were. And uh, I was supposed to go on a Sunday after the game, our football game at K-State, had we lost. And we lost at K-State. And as we were riding home, I was in the, in the van with Bob and Max, our radio guys, and we couldn't come up with one positive thing from the game. And uh, so I, I, I was just, I knew I wouldn't sleep that night. So we got home and I waited for the team buses to get home and I gave coach enough time to get home. And I was sitting in my office at KU and it was, you know, 11 at night or whatever. And I called him up and I said, Hey coach, can we talk? He said, yeah, you want to come over? <laughs> so I went to his house and I walked in the door and Terry says, uh, Hey, you want to have a beer? I said, sure, coach, let's have a beer. I said, okay. So here's the deal. If you don't beat Nebraska next week and we're not bowl eligible, you can, you know, finish out the – announce your retirement or resignation, finish out the year. You can announce your resignation, walk away right then, or or Al will fire you and you'll be done right then, you know. And, and that's how it happened and how it worked out. And Terry and I remain great friends today. You know, I mean, we text each other. You know, last week we had a text exchange. And yeah. and so it's – you can overcome some of those. I mean, if if they're good people and they're good friends, yeah. uh, you know, you can do that. Um, so that that was – you know, that's – I guess that's kind of a, a rundown. I mean, we have – we had longtime coaches like Gary Kemp and swimming who had, who had been a swimmer for us and just KU through and through and kid from, and, you know, he was from Bartlesville, Oklahoma and um, great competitor and, and, you know, great person. So I, I really didn't run across um, many coaches that I really, you know, couldn't get along with or, or had a problem with, but, um, but, but that kind of touches on some of it. You wore a lot of hats at KU. What were your maybe maybe just give me one or two of your favorite hats, and then well, I started off uh, as the assistant in the fundraising office, the assistant in the Williams Fund, and that's what Bob hired me for. And then uh, within three months, became the ticket manager. Uh, we'd had a resignation in the ticket office, so in my very first year, I'm 23 years old, and we go to a bowl game. We went to the 1981 Hall of Fame Bowl, and I'm the ticket manager. So. It was kind of an indoctrination by fire. And then I ended up going back and being the Williams Fund director uh, for four years. And then when Monty Johnson, when Monty Johnson came in as our AD, and then when Bob came back, we had a little NCAA investigation problem in basketball in 1988. And so there was this new thing called rules compliance. And so uh, Bob 
asked if I would come in and start up our rules compliance program and did. And, and uh, that was probably my least favorite job. I mean, I, I, I love the lawyering end of it and, you know, the rule book and knowing all that, but you're often the bad guy. You're telling people no, and you're having to try to explain. And, and, and with the NCAA rules, it's often hard to justify from very frankly a right and wrong, or this is the right thing we should do for this kid or the wrong thing. I mean, you know, at the time we, you, you couldn't buy him an airline ticket to go home to a grandparent's funeral, you know, now all that's changed. But at the time, you're the guy delivering that message to the coach, and they're saying this isn't right, and all. And you 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 agree with that, but you have to go with what the the rule book says. So, uh, but then uh, became this administrator for many of the sports, and that was my favorite role because then I was working with the coaches, and and so I had football and basketball, and did their scheduling and their travel, so I was with them all the time. I had golf and had baseball, um, and. That, that was my favorite role. Um, but it also means, and from a career standpoint, people need to understand this also. Um, my last year at KU, I had four weekends out of 52 where I had both days off, okay? Because if you start up in August and you've got football and, you know, you're working every single Saturday yeah. home or away because you're doing travel – yeah. And your basketball season overlaps. And, I mean, there was a night we were in New York City for an early season basketball tournament, and that game ended at 11 p.m. at Madison Square Garden. And we went out and we went to Teterboro Airport and got on the KU jet, and we flew to Indianapolis, refueled, flew to Lawrence, Kansas, and the next morning played football against Texas. And I was at both events. I mean, and that was the life you led. Now that's a lot of fun, but it's it's a it's a tough one. And so then you went into the basketball season, and we were always very fortunate to get into the NCAA tournaments. So you're going well into March, and hopefully into the first week of April. And then I had golf and baseball. And then in the summer, we did a 21 city tour of Kansas to go do the alums. And um, because as you'd mentioned, I was from Kansas and knew a lot of people and. Uh, uh, a little side note, my colleagues often referred to me as the assistant AD for funerals because if somebody, one of our donors passed away or whatever, and we're the one in Lake in Kansas or Russell, Kansas or somewhere. <laughs> so you're the guy, that, you know where that is. And you know how to eat green jello in the basement of the Methodist church out there <laughs> in Russell. So you get to go. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, uh, so that was that was the roles, and and I was the interim AD twice, uh, uh, unsuccessful internal candidate both times to get the AD job, um, and uh, you know on the on the last one, Lou Perkins was the eighth athletic director I'd worked for at KU, amazingly, and uh, but he was bringing in his own staff, you know, and and that's a little bit how it's changed today, you know. Uh, you expected when a football or basketball coach turnover changed that the staff pretty much changed. Well, it's becoming more common in the administrative side. And Lou had his own group from Connecticut that he brought with him. And there were five of us then who, you know, didn't have a job anymore. And, you know, and then and it was disappointing. Um, I'd always envisioned myself as a lifetime guy at KU and do the 45 years there and all that. And, and uh and I want to reference that later when we talk about career choices. Uh, but um, 
uh, it also then led to the opportunity to come to Benedictine and and be a colleague with Joe Brick, you know, and see how the other side works. And, and and I'll always remember the first day I walked onto the practice football field at Benedictine and I looked out there and at the time, Coach Wilcox had 175 players. And I was used to KU and, you know, you had 110, maybe, 100, you know, and I, I remember distinctly, I walked over to him and I pointed out there and I said, Coach, you want to explain this to me? Because <laughs> I had no idea. And I found out that at small colleges, athletics was used to drive enrollment, yeah. particularly to drive male enrollment. Yeah. And that was survival. Yeah. And and that guy mastered it, you know. Oh, he did. And, I, and I'm at Rockhurst now. And our baseball coach has 82 guys. And our men's soccer coach has 75 guys. That's just... And, you know, I've got 21 guys on the golf team. I mean, but I've, I, I didn't know that world existed. Yeah. And, and now I've kind of figured it out and, and see that that's the other side of it. And everybody in America sees the Power Five, the games on ESPN and on television, those top 60 schools and $100 million athletic department budgets. That's not college athletics. That, that's a small elite group. Yeah, There's 1,300 schools out there that have athletic programs. And they're like Benedictine and Rockhurst, and we're 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 just trying to bring kids in to get them a really good education on a smaller campus, and and they get to compete for the joy of competition and all that, and nobody's going to get you know become a multimillionaire, and we're not worrying about name, image, and likeness, you know, and we're helping to drive enrollment, we're helping to keep those schools afloat. Yeah. You know, Richard, I, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to pursue that a little bit more with you about, uh, you know, the, your roles at, at the smaller schools and the differences okay. that, that you noticed and, and uh, how you tried to improve those situations at the small schools. So let's take a short break. <laughs> 